Round Guy with you here back on the uh, Round Guy podcast. We are coming to you live and in color from the lovely hamlet of Oskaloosa, Iowa. Hello to everybody that's listening and urge you to continue to listen. Today's segment is going to be a little bit different. We're going to turn it over to uh, my best friend in the entire world. The man, the myth, the legend. He's a legend in his spare time. We know him and love him as Dave Johnson. Uh, One of the things you may not know about Dave is uh, his service. We applaud you and thank you for your service in the Army and uh, moved up to the rank of, uh, well, I... I, he's telling me five-star general. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, it probably isn't. But we're gonna we're gonna give him the microphone here in a moment. Allow him to tell you about his background because we want to talk a little bit about a, a serious uh, topic that came to light Monday morning. I woke to the news that uh, Colin Powell had passed away with. Uh, uh, results from COVID, and and, uh, I think he was battling some cancer. But uh, speaking of American heroes, this man, uh, a true uh, American hero, and of all the uh, titles that he had, he was at one time the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, a four-star general. Uh, He was the national security uh, advisor to Ronald Reagan. 2001 to 2005, he was Secretary of State, and the list goes on. Served in Vietnam, uh, truly a war hero, and somebody involved uh, after the military involvement uh, with politics. A great man, and our friend Dave Johnson uh, had a chance to work under him and uh, met him several times. And Dave, uh, we'd like to... uh, have you share your thoughts with the passing of this great American uh, hero and your involvement with him and having met him? We'd like to hear you talk about uh, Colin Powell. Can you do that for us? Well, I sure can. Uh, so uh, I joined the Army in 1986. I went to basic training at uh, Fort Sale, Oklahoma. And then uh, I was in, uh, really, actually, in. Uh, was short-range nuclear missiles. They thought I was uh, was a, a good candidate for that because they, they deemed me ex- expendable. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so uh, I got stationed in a, uh, a place called Giesen, uh, Germany, which is north of Frankfurt. We were there to protect what was called the Fulda Gap, which was... Uh, that was back when, before the wall was down and there was a West Germany and a East Germany and the communist side uh, really wanted to roll in there and take that part of the country back because they thought that was theirs and they would continually roll a lot of troops up to the border. Uh, I remember one time I was uh, in a tower and there was just uh, observing an observation tower and started observing jets and helicopters and I started seeing uh, armored personnel and tanks and uh, stuff rolling to the border, and I was writing it in. And well, they would have, if they had 10 jets in the air, we'd put 10 jets in the air. If they had 20 helicopters, we'd bring up 20 helicopters. If they brought up infantry, we'd bring up infantry. And then after a little series of dancing around a little bit, suddenly maybe the jets would land 
and then maybe some of the helicopters would land and they would pull theirs back and we would pull ours back. But there was a lot of tension. There was an actual uh, neutral zone that had a, uh, a line in the middle. And if somebody from East Germany was running across the to try to get to West Germany to get to the Freedom, they had, the Soviets had machine gun towers every so many yards away, and they could shoot the person that was trying to run across. Now we could, uh, when they crossed the halfway point, we could engage with the Russians on the other side and return some fire, which would suppress uh, and make it much more difficult for them to shoot the guy. And then if he got to our end, to the safety, then we would send a Jeep out and pick him up. But it didn't happen a lot because most of the people that tried, uh, it didn't work out for them. But, uh, um, but General Powell, Colin Powell, uh, he, was the, he had been appointed the Corps Commander shortly before I got there, which uh, there's a platoon and then a company, and a company is inside of a brigade, and a brigade is inside a division. And if you have five divisions, that's a corps. He was uh, in charge of basically everything in Europe at the time, and he just, just barely was a two-star general at that time. Uh, but uh, um, he came to the base a couple times, uh, shortly after I got there, uh, and he talked to me on the phone once, and he really liked my phone uh, etiquette. He, he told me, uh, see, you had to answer the phone in a certain way, and you would have Like how? You would say, you'd answer the phone, Charlie Battalion, 2nd second, uh, second uh, 32nd Field Artillery, uh, this line is unsecure, uh, my name is uh, Private Johnson, uh, a hard charger, and uh, how... How can I help you? You know, which a lot of guys didn't do it right, you know, but he really liked the way I did it. And he said, by God, that's the way everybody ought to do it, you know? Uh-huh. And then uh, he would, uh, he came a couple times to the base and uh, I was on what they call CQ, which is the, and it just rotated around everybody, you know, but somebody had to answer the phones and kind of watch the hallway and, and take messages. And all of a sudden here comes this general, you know, and, uh, I was a private E1, I just got there, you know, and he talked to me a little bit because he wanted to know where everybody was at, and I gave him the information that he wanted, you know. And then the second time that I met him, I did promote it, you know, and he remembered that. He remembered that. And he, remembered, and he says, you're the guy I talked to on the phone, weren't you? Yeah, so he, he kind of remembered that. But he would make training videos, you know, uh, that you would watch. Remember, specifically for something called an RTEP, RTEP is an event that the Army does once every three years, which is a very intense training that involves you basically being up for 72 hours, to, and it's a lot of simulated uh, combat conditions. You have to drive at night and sit up tents before daylight, you know, get someplace, find some woods or something to pull into, and then put all your camouflage up. And then they go around in helicopters and try to find you, you know, uh, and they just break you on. You have to fire, you know, simulated missiles at targets and do your perform your job in all kinds of conditions. You know, sometimes in chemical weapon suits and things like that. But yeah, he made he was what you'd call a bottom up manager. You know what I mean? Now I was always on with the enlisted guys, you know, in the videos for them. But he would make if you were a private, he'd make you feel like you're the most important person in the military. 
you know, he had this big booming voice and, you know, he'd say, you guys are, are everything, you know, you don't do your job, we can't, we can't function, you know, we can't defend this country. Everything depends on how well you take instructions and how hard you throw yourself into this job, you know. And uh, so, you know, he, he had a way about it, man. I mean, you would go through a brick wall for that guy. You would charge a machine gun nest if he, if he told you to do it, you wouldn't even think about it. Great military leader, and then uh, he also was in Vietnam. You know, I mean, he was a long time Army guy, probably been in the Army 30 years before him met him. You know, in Vietnam early at 63 or 64, he was on a patrol and stepped on a punji stick, and it really hurt his foot bad, and uh, it was years of not being able to walk very well. And then uh, in 68 or 9, when he recovered, he went back and did another tour in Vietnam where he was in a terrible helicopter crash and absolutely should have killed him. And there was, uh, he did not save everybody. I understand it 100% honestly. He did pull three people out of that burning helicopter that were able to survive or get to the medical training to, or at a depot to get help. And uh, so, uh, I definitely remember the day that Ronald Reagan announced that they were bringing him in to be the uh, uh, national security advisor, Ronald Reagan, you know, and just the tremendous amount of pride and uh, uh, having our leader picked, you know, uh, he was just beloved by the troops. Uh, he scared the officers and the, and the higher ranks to death. They were very afraid of him when he came around, you know, because let's just, he, he would tell us, he would say, listen, you guys are going to be taken care of. You're going to be fed. You're not going to be left on guard duty until you get frostbite. Because I'm telling you, you get a little bit of frostbite when you're out on this RTEP. He says, I'm going to relieve your section sergeant. And I'm going to relieve your platoon sergeant. And I'm going to relieve your first sergeant. And I'm going to relieve your captain. And I'm going to relieve, uh, you know, I mean, I'm going to relieve your, the, the colonel, the lieutenant colonel in charge of your company if even one of you guys get frostbitten while you're out there. And it was cold in Germany. I remember being out in the field one time for three weeks, and the warmest it was was like 14 below. You know? mm -hmm. I mean, listen, you know, the reason you guys don't speak German and the reason you have what little bit of freedoms you got left is because somewhere out there in this country, some young men are going through hell, really, to try to protect you. And they're really putting in an unbelievable, I mean, I spent 1.4 months of my almost four years of service in the field. That means, you know, we weren't at the base. We were out in our trucks doing our, our missions, you know, when Reagan, for sure when Reagan was president, we were well, well, well funded. When uh, George Bush Sr. became president, it was uh, a lot less. Uh, lost such money, a lot less focus on the military. But then again, you know, we, he had brought the, uh, the state of Russia down to nothing, and they basically gave up. And then Reagan said, tear down this wall. And then a couple of years later, they did tear down the wall. People came back and uh, Germany uh, reunited 
And, you know, it is what it is now. It's not near the hostility, but I definitely remember when I was in Germany, the people kind of had a lot of admiration for the Americans that were there because they knew for sure that if we weren't, you know, they would be invaded for absolute, unquestionably. You know what I mean? That if the, if the Russians could have took their country, they absolutely would have. There was undeniable that they would have. And uh, really enjoyed my time over there. And he was uh, uh, one of the one of the guys that I met that made a big impression on me. Is that it, about it, Dave? <laughs> yeah. A little background on uh, my friend Dave Johnson, explaining his uh, military background and his involvement with Colin Powell, who passed away this last Monday. Uh, uh, good job, and, and again, thanks for your service. I remember not that long ago, I, I asked uh, Dave to go into his uh, military background. We discussed it a little bit, and I said, uh, you know, is that all the truth? And I remember your response. You said, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> you, you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. And that's when I knew he was completely serious. Folks, that wraps this segment up, a Round Guy podcast with Dave Johnson. We appreciate you listening. We will be back with another segment, another topic at a later time. In the meanwhile, stay safe, stay healthy, and God bless you. We're out.